0: It's historic, it's euphoric, it's iconic. They score again, they smile again,
1: they dance again. This stage, same script. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, depending on what this finds you. Uh, welcome to Everything Soccer. This is the MNUFC podcast where we'll be discussing a little soccer and a lot of everything. Uh, I'm Steve McPherson I'm a writer for the club I guess I'm the writer for the club I, I think know. so as well yeah. the lead writer I don't know head writer you give yourself that lead writer yeah. the lead writer sounds good doesn't it <laughs> I was thinking about it this morning I was trying to figure out if I should just say a writer,
0: a no, writer. Can, when can, I talk can, to give, the give players
1: your, I say give yourself the credit you deserve okay. lead writer <laughs> the lead writer for the club <laughs> And I'm joined by this this other man uh, Calvin Williams who is uh, speaking right now and I, I think his job is mostly to speak with a British accent sound <laughs> good so um but what exactly do you do?
0: Well, I'm still trying to figure that out, Steve, actually. Um, <laughs> I've been here for a year, still scratching my head. Um, play-by-play commentator, broadcaster, um, sounding British, uh, perhaps, another title, I, I don't Really
1: not. It brings a little gravitas to the organization. <laughs> you know, so, in a future podcast, I'll break out all my different British accents and you can evaluate them. You do that, there. and
0: I'll do my American.
1: Okay, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> but this is this is our first episode, so just to give you a lay of the land, we're going to sit down like this uh, every other week or so, depending. Uh, we'll see how it goes as the season progresses, and talk about what's going on with Minnesota United, stuff in MLS, stuff in soccer generally. But also, we're going to get into the weeds, uh, as we already did before we even got to explain <laughs> what this podcast is. But we're going to bring in guests, which is going to be exciting once we kind of get rolling. We'll bring in some players and coaches, staff, you know. There's a lot of interesting characters and people here at Minnesota United, so we'll be talking to them about, again, about soccer and then a lot of everything else. So, But let's jump right into some stuff today. Last night, Christian Ramirez did not play. Mm. The U.S. men's national team with whom he was uh, training for their January camp. Did you get to watch the game?
0: I did. I did. And I was immensely disappointed, not only with uh, the news that Christian wasn't in the 18, a- but just with the, the whole evening. Um, it, it was obvious that there was um, a group of, of new young players together who hadn't played together a whole lot. That's to be expected because it's a January camp. For me, I was more frustrated with. The fact that there were several people on the field who we had seen before. I'm a fan of, of Jordan Morris. I, I like the way he plays. I think he's going to be a future US star. He's already had a, a wonderful rookie campaign, hasn't he? I know last year wasn't particularly wonderful, but Jassy Zardes as well, a, a player who I, I like and I think he's going to I think he's going to flourish at Columbus Crew actually. But we we know what these players can do. We've seen them before. So I when I saw the lineup come out, I, I was particularly puzzled as to why those individuals were playing. Because you have someone like Marky Delgado on the bench who won MLS Cup last year and was a a pivotal part of Toronto FC last year. Mm -hmm. Give him a cap. Give him the opportunity. Why not? And I'm not necessarily saying start him, but give him an opportunity. And the same has to be said with Ramirez as well. Regardless of of what has happened over the, the last couple of days, whether he was... Good in training or not, give them an opportunity. Because in, in my opinion, having this this will be my eighth season now covering US soccer and Major League Soccer, the January camp in the past has been used to give people an opportunity. Now there were you know a couple of people in their younger players like Tyler Adams, for example, who it's always good to give them minutes, give them national team reps and will trap as well, because they are going to be a part of the fabric moving forward.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Whereas someone like Iko Tara, who is 27-28 may not necessarily be a part of it moving forward, but after a, a Defender of the Year campaign, is more than worthy of 90 minutes for his country. Sure. But I, I must admit, Steve, I, I was really disappointed with what I saw on, uh, on Sunday evening. Um, and if anything it just brought up more question marks than answers. Yeah,
1: I mean, especially after a really disappointing, obviously, World Cup qualifying for, or lack of qualifying for the U.S., and then a lot of talk about they need to reboot it, they need to start from scratch, they need to cast a wider net. And here you cast, you know, just a slightly wider net, right? Mm-hmm. You're just, you brought in some guys who haven't been brought in before, and then they're not getting they're not getting those minutes. I mean, and it was also a 0-0 game that seemed, you know, not tremendously... Dynamic or or exciting? Uh, I mean, you got to feel like Christian could have brought some of that. Maybe some goals. Maybe they could have scored a goal. Christian. Well, it, it, it certainly
0: lacked cutting edge for sure. There were um, there were a couple of a couple of deliveries that came in from the right hand side. One that was slightly behind. I think it was Pong, and another one which flashed across goal. And I, I must admit, then Steve, I did wonder. I thought. I, I I'm a big fan of CJ Sapong, and and I like what he did, and I've commentated on many of his games in in Kansas City, but I thought Christian Ramirez in that particular situation would have been the better player to have, because Ramirez is a natural poacher, he's a natural goal scorer. Um, With or without service, we've seen him thrive and score goals, so
1: immensely disappointed he didn't get on the field on on Sunday evening. And... I'm curious about what you think it, how it matters for him that he didn't get to play. I think it'll yeah, a lot of people have said it'll probably light a fire under him to sort mm-hmm. of prove himself, not even getting in the under into the 18. Um, but you know, like, how does it benefit him just to do the training? I, I feel like that's got to help his perspective in some ways, um, and probably help him coming back to the team.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with whoever has said that it'll light a fire under his belly because you would imagine that would give him a little bit of inspiration saying, right, you didn't think I was good enough. Okay, well, I'm going to be so good this year that you can't ignore me again. Right. It, it certainly will have, first of all, given him a boost to be in the national team camp. I think it's always good for, for any player at any level to get out of a, a little bit of a rhythm from time to time, particularly at, at this stage of the year as well, when we're talking about Major League Soccer, because it, it, it can provide a different perspective. Ramirez has been working under the stewardship of Adrian Heath very effectively and very well over the last 12 months. But perhaps another idea from another coach could expand his horizons and and could give him a new idea or two. So I'm I'm never against anybody having a a new experience. And I I think it would have done the world a good. But now, as as you mentioned, him not getting into the national team uh, fold... I would expect him to come back all guns blazing.
1: All right, so let's turn a little bit to training camp. Uh, the team just wrapped up training camp; they're now in Orlando. And I know you were, you came back to town during training camp, but mm. you got to see a bunch of practices and things like that. So, what have been? Uh, what's your sense of the team uh, over that that training camp that you've seen so far?
0: What I will say, Steve, it's the sharpest preseason camp I think I've ever seen. Yeah, and I'm in the fortunate position to have seen quite a few. <laughs> um, I think that the, there are several players that, that stood out for me. They've obviously kept themselves fit in the off-season. They've kept to the program they were given, and perhaps done a little more as well. Jérôme uh, Tisson was
1: exceptional. You've that very nicely,
0: by the way. Well, what I mean,
1: look it's, a, it's the correct pronunciation. I didn't know if you were talking to we just call him Jerry. So, but, yes. Jérôme <laughs> um,
0: Tisson. Jérôme Tisson. It's, uh, and look, I asked him. And it was the same with several other people. I am people giving me a little bit of uh, abuse on, on social media, as people do these days, for pronouncing Johan Venegas wrong. That's his name. That's what, I yeah, asked that's him, and I, and I originally thought it was Johan as well, yeah. but I asked him yeah. just to make sure, uh, as I try and do with every player, and with all due respect, if that player says to me, this is how you say my name, I'm probably going to go with yeah. that. So it was Johan Venegas, but no, Geron Tisson is the correct right. pronunciation, according to him. Okay. Um, <laughs> moving on. Um,
1: <laughs> he, 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 was,
0: he was wonderful. Um, the other player who, who I was particularly impressed with was Abu Dunladi, who has clearly been in the gym in the off-season because he's come back much bigger. And he's come back perhaps the sharpest of them all. Several other players were, were looking really good as well. I think it was, was it uh, Thursday or Friday, I can't remember. The two goalkeepers that were involved in the scrimmage, which was a, a spectacular. Spectacular scrimmage, by the yeah. way. Bobby Shuttleworth and Alex Cap were tremendous. Shuttleworth was making all these spectacular saves, and, and uh, Alex Cap was was so assertive and so commanding. So it was it was a pleasure to watch. It really was. Um, as I said, the sharpest preseason camp I think I've ever seen. and Clearly, the players have. Stuck to what they've been told to do in the off season, mm-hmm. and a lot of them have perhaps done a little more as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I don't have uh, eight years of, of MLS experience to call upon. I was I, I was talking about this earlier that I um, I joined the team basically about a year ago, mm-hmm. uh, just before training camp got started. So I came in not knowing anyone, and I came into a training camp where. Nobody knew anybody. It was twenty plus guys all getting together for sort of the first time. It was fun, wasn't it? It was uh I mean it was fun. It was definitely exciting. I think I met everybody on production day, uh, and that was that that's gonna be fun again uh this year. But my sense, you know, just sort of anecdotally, if you go into training, you know, over the first couple months of, of, of the season, I didn't really see a scrimmage as intense as I think we saw on like I think it was Friday. Um, I didn't see that until a couple months into the season. Like it felt like guys, there's a little barking, like in a good, healthy yeah. way, like a getting after it kind of way. And like you said about Cap, that was, that's another thing that, you know, we didn't see a lot from him last year. But a couple of people on the sidelines were commenting on how good he looked in goal. And so having, you know, three seriously legit goalkeepers with Lampson and Shuttleworth, uh, if Cap can be added to that, that's that's great. And I know that's one of Adrian's big things is competition uh, yeah. and other guys, pushing guys to be in that first team. So. Yeah, I think it was really fun. I like the rookies gave me a great impression, and all of them. And I know the coaching staff all spoke universally about their willingness to work, coming in ready to you know, contribute and, and figure out what they can do. You got a little bit of that—the young guys trying to prove themselves—and mm-hmm. you could see, uh, you know, guys getting maybe a little a little frustrated when they couldn't do what they were being asked to do. They all talked about the speed of the game and how that's a huge uh, step up, but. They're all a lot of fun to talk to. Um, I think I talked got to talk to all of them except Xavier. Is it Xavier? Have you talked to Xavier? I think it's Xavier. Xavier. Okay. To my knowledge, I've just spoken to him yet. Yeah. I think you're right. I think you're right. So so I haven't spoken to Xavier yet, but I spoke to Wyatt Amberg and Mason Toy and Carter Manley, and uh, they were all fun to talk to. They all seemed to get into it. You know, they hit the ground running. Had to do things like the beep test, which <laughs> some of them felt like that's that was a little rough, where you have to test your cardiovascular capacity, but. What were any first impressions of uh, those rookies individually or collectively?
0: Yeah, all, all of them very impressive, actually. And I know Adrian Heath was sharing a, a very similar opinion. They, all the coaching staff were very impressed with, with the rookies that had been brought in. I think it was, it was Friday or Saturday, I can't remember. There, there was another scrimmage, and myself, Kindred Ease Norbin, and Jamie Watson were standing uh, off to the side on Carter Manley's side, Carter was playing at the right back, and he was very impressive. He's got an engine for sure. <laughs> Not no issue with fitness with, with Carter Manley, yeah. but it was fascinating being next to, to Mark Watson as well and, and chatting with with him and, and and listening to what he was saying to Carter in terms of positioning and you know when to go, when to press, and then when to come back and when to get back into shape and, and make sure the line is is um, is straight. And it, it was really fascinating. It was really good. But as I said, Matt Manley was superb. Mason Toy, again, towed the line really well and, and caused a problem for, for several defenders. Why? I, I think, again, hardly put a foot wrong at all. Certainly didn't look out of place. Xavier, lovely feet. Really, really composed feet. I was surprised, actually. You know, um, I, I think you, you were saying earlier on, Steve, about how uh, college players... They come in to camp with MLS preseason, and they're surprised by the, the speed of the game. Yeah. Xavier fit right in, and was very aware of the right places he needed to be. There was one particular play that came over to the left hand side where it was where he was playing, and instantly he, he touched the ball inside with the outside of his right foot, and then he opened his body and, and played a, a ball inside and, and did exactly what he was supposed to do in that situation. Mm-hmm. So early signs would suggest that he's got a good footballing brain, mm-hmm. uh, which is good. And, and um, as I said, Steve, all, all the rookies have been very impressive so far. As of the new additionees as well, uh, Tyrone Mears right. hardly put a foot wrong. Yeah, you talked um, about
1: Tyrone saying you were particularly impressed with him coming in. Uh, absolutely.
0: I mean, he's been there, done that, and gotten the team shirt. Yeah. You know, played in the, Liga, in the top division in France, played in the Premier League, the Championship. For some very good teams as well. Yeah.
1: Um, is the British accent maybe just making you feel like he's more
0: polished <laughs> than actually is, though? you biased. He, he asked me where <laughs> I was from when we did a little piece for the website. And uh, Birmingham, he's from Manchester. So we sort of have this little connection. Oh, you're not from London. Okay, so I okay. sort of have this little connection. Which, um, <laughs> uh, but no, didn't put a foot wrong at all. thought he was superb. and he's, You know, I understand he's not a sexy signer. But sure. he's a piece of the puzzle, yeah. And he, he's going to be of, of vital importance
1: moving forward for this team, for sure. So, is there an anti-London? I mean, it, it, are people against London as a place? I knew you were going to ask us as soon as I said that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah.
0: <laughs> not particularly. Well, not not in my household, anyway. Okay. Um, I spent a lot of time in London over the last couple of years for for work, in particular. I, I, <laughs> there's no doubt about it. Being from London and being from Birmingham or Manchester. You are all slightly different. Sure, there's there's no doubt about that. I don't think there's a bias at all, but I I think a lot of people, perhaps the people have suggested in the past that one or two people from London may very well think they are of a higher class. Sure. Now I'm yeah. sure there are people who are. Yeah. But no, I, look, there's there's no bias or anything. I think London's a fabulous city. <laughs> and... Um, You know, I I very much enjoy my time.
1: Yeah, well, it happens here too, Cal. I mean, you know, (laughs) in the Twin Cities, and now the the Super Bowl is descending upon us, Mm. and somebody on Twitter today was saying, I'm just looking forward to everybody complaining about the weather here in the Twin Cities. And I do think we here sort of have a chip on our shoulder about that. We're sort of like, yeah, it's cold. That's right. (laughs) Like, go back to L.A. (laughs) We like like where we're from. and So I have no problem with, you know, pride in in one's region. I think that's... Mm. I think it's well learned, especially in a place, a climate that can be as tough as, as Minnesota. So. Absolutely, it's um, it's fabulously frigid. I think yes, would be the best way to describe right. it. Okay, but so the flip side of this, some other some other MLS stuff. They announced Miami made another announcement. Hmm. I think they had already. We already knew they were getting a team, but they made an announcement today. Yep. that They're having a team. They didn't tell us what the team is called or when they're coming in or anything like that. So a little short on details. So but Miami is obviously the polar opposite intended, I guess, uh, of the polar weather that we have here. <laughs> have you have you been to Miami? Have you experienced I it? I have. What do you think of Miami? It was firmly sticky. Um,
0: <laughs> it was uh, a lovely place, yeah. Had, had no problem with it, no qualms. Um, I, look, I mean, I, I don't know much about the market, whether it's going to work or not. Um, I, I would say the evidence is there to suggest that it probably will, because it seems like it's a footballing market. So, And look, Anything with, with Beckham behind it is 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 usually a good thing. Yeah. Myself and, and some of the, the video editing crew watched the, the whole announcement um, and it and it was you know typically tedious but I mean when Beckham came up and, and made his rah-rah type speech, I got very excited and, and I thought, you know, the connections that he has within the, the global game. I'm excited to see what kind of players they are going to bring into Major League Soccer. Yeah. You only have to utter the word Miami, and straight away, several superstars will be turned
1: on by them. Sure. Um, it's a party town. Of course. Of course it is. It's um, so great. You know, there's a, there's a big immigrant population. Right. Uh, strong Latino, you know, community. So... I think it'll be interesting. Yeah. I, I really do. So, we'll, we'll wait and see. Only time will tell.
0: But when, as I said, watching that press conference and the announcements, I, I was... Full of positivity.
1: Yeah, I'm interested to see how... What I was doing before this was covering the NBA. Mm -hmm. And the thing about the NBA is there's not as much... I mean, there's regionalisms and there's teams have character. Like San Antonio runs their business a certain way. Mm -hmm. The Lakers run their business a certain way. It doesn't seem as built on a regional identity in some ways. Because that pool of players is smaller, I think, Mm -hmm. for the NBA. I mean, I've said this a lot of times. But if you're looking at transactions in the NBA... The best guys in the world are in the NBA. Sure, you you a couple guys come over from Europe, but every year the draft is you're pulling in the best American players. This is this is where the game comes from. With soccer, you know MLS is like there's players all over the world, and you're always looking for guys who could work here. Yep. Um, I was, you know I was just talking to somebody about Giovinco and how good Giovinco has been for MLS. But you know when he was in Italy, it's like. Hmm, it's hardly playing, you know. Like you well, would, I wouldn't say it was, it was hardly. Well, playing Well, I mean, it's, you know, <laughs> as opposed to say bringing over, you know, like a, a marquee superstar from a You know, you've got you know the Lampard's and the Gerrards and the Beckhams who have come over as, as sort of stars. Giovinco really blossomed with Toronto, mm-hmm. and so you're try, always trying to look all over the world, look for different places, and you see a team like you know Atlanta a, who said he gets Tata, and then he has a network of players and, and sort of clubs that he's that he's drawing from, you know minnesota united we had sort of a different approach some of those approaches change lafc it's gonna be interesting to see you know how their team grows they're still they're still looking for players at this point point. and miami also is an opportunity to sort of express a certain ethos with the way the team gets built It's uh sort of an interesting thing for me to follow i think and, and see like how a team builds its its personality and its character as it as it develops and now we'll have is that um, yep. coming in eventually? So mm-hmm. I don't know if they're just going to get a lot of musicians, like session guys, <laughs> if that's how they're going to build their
0: team or not. But. I'm a big believer of, of expanding uh, and expanding into the right markets. This market, for example, Minnesota, with with the history it has, with the tradition it has, the game is deep in the roots in this market in the Twin Cities. It always has been, and it always will be. So there was this market was always going to work, and it's surprising that. Minnesota United weren't in Major League Soccer a couple of years before. Right? Um, what I will say, though, Steve, is let's let's just be a little bit careful. Let's put our foot on the brake. You know, we've had the Miami announcement now. Aren't we? There's going to be another one over the next couple of months as well. When we've done that, in, in my opinion, let's just put the foot on the brake a little bit and help out some of the other franchises that aren't aren't perhaps up to the level that, that Don Garber and Major League Soccer is, is now expecting. Sure. Um, without naming franchises, th- there are several that, that could perhaps do with a little little bit of help. Mm-hmm. So rather than expanding now elsewhere, let's just, you know, we're, we're in a good spot now. We're in a very good spot. Let's just help out those who are
1: perhaps in need of it a little more than others. Yeah, it's a tricky balancing act, that desire to expand and address those you know, different markets that have potential and the fact that. You know, the other thing is with the way the MLS is set up now where every team needs an academy, the academy is also funneling soccer talent that might not be being discovered otherwise Mm -hmm. into a professional pathway. And so aside from any individual team being important, all these teams' academies are, you know, that's where the future of the U.S. international team, which is how, how we grow the game internationally and how we become a part of that game, that's how we get those players, you know. So you talk about... You know, you look in England and you look how many teams there are and how small a territory that really is. You can see how many teams there are just in London that are, you know, elite level soccer teams. We well, have, I'm, I'm not sure Barnett would classify as elite, but, yeah, sure. <laughs> you know, some more elite than others, but, um, <laughs> but you know, the, the distances involved in the U.S. are just so tremendous and, you know, it, it's harder to build rivalries and things like that, so I can see that desire to have more stops along the way, more teams closer to each other, like the potential for for bringing in more players. But I, I think you're right that it, there's a risk to going too fast um, yep. and getting ahead of yourself.
0: Can I just point out with all due respect to Barnet Football Club, they're a lovely little football club, <laughs> and I uh, <laughs> very very much enjoyed my, my one or two visits there. Yes, uh,
1: I had another Beckham question. Where's Beckham from?
0: From London. Okay. I'm not sure what part of
1: London. Okay. I don't know, somewhere I was, in London, I was very thrown off by his voice the first time I heard him speak. Because um, <laughs> I, I had sort of, uh, I was aware of him in say the late '90s, okay. um, you know, Ben like Beckham, Beckham, sure. etc. You know, and, and I followed the Premier League to some extent at that at that time, and I would seen him play, uh, and I never heard him speak, and I sort of imagined when he would speak that it would be a sort of sonorous deep, but then it's it's not like his voice is not like.
0: No, no, but but he is one of these people. He, he is savagely good looking, isn't he? I mean, that, that's just, true. It's <laughs> one of these one of these individuals that you just would never want to stand next to, right? Because you're always going to be the uglier of the two people, you know. And I just, yes, you know, <laughs> you I, there are several things I could I could say about David Beckham. I mean, yeah. If I ever stand next to him, like, all right, you know, how are you? Lovely to meet you. And. God, you're good-looking, aren't you? <laughs> and just, oh, you yeah, know, same, same. several things I could say, which I won't utter on this podcast, yeah, but... Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> goodness sake, why are you so good-looking? Yeah.
1: Stop it. It is a thing that happens with a lot of celebrities. Like, I lived in New York City for a while, and you would see... You would just sort of pass people, mm-hmm. you know, and it was always striking... There are a lot of celebrities where you're like they're good looking, but you're usually seeing them in the context of other good looking celebrities. Right. right? This is sort of like basketball players when you see them on the court, they don't look as big because they're next to other basketball players. Then you see someone like that just in the wild, and you're just instantly struck in the wild by how amazingly good looking (laughs) they are. Like I saw, I remember being at a place downtown in um, Soho uh, called Cafe Ibana that a friend of mine worked at for brunch Mm. one time, and I have always dressed like a schlub basically. I I can't get away from it. So. And, and so I'm downtown and it's like a Sunday morning and everyone around me is dressed up for brunch in New York on a Sunday and I'm you know, wearing jeans or whatever like that. And in comes Natalie Portman who was <laughs> going to school, I believe, at the, I think she was at Columbia or, oh, well. or maybe NYU. And she comes in and she's like, so, she's Sunday. She's like sweatshirt, ponytail. And I was like, you are better looking than everyone else in this place who is dressed <laughs> up for this. And it was like, and yeah, so uh, the stratospherically good looking people make everyone uncomfortable. I think they probably shouldn't go out call public.
0: So what we're saying is if you're good looking, stay indoors. Yeah,
1: yeah. Just, (laughs) you know, don't make the rest of us feel so bad. So, you know. I agree. I agree with that. (laughs) So, uh, other MLS rumor, uh, which is Ibrahimovic the LA Galaxy has has reared its its head once again. And I find this one interesting because um, you hear a lot now about how different, how designated players are being used differently. You're seeing teams bringing in younger South American players uh, looking at MLS as sort of Pathway to European play, and mm-hmm. and a lot of commentators talk about MLS becoming a selling league and sort of developing young talent and moving it on, and how that's sort of a sort of major stepping stone toward MLS becoming a league more like other leagues in, yep. in the world. So, but then you still have, I mean, then you have the story of Ibrahimovic coming over as a 36 year old uh, to play for LA, which feels like old school, but it, uh, MLS. it does.
0: But it's different because it's Ibrahimovic, right? And and I think if there was several other people in world football that came over at 36, we, we would all cringe at it, wouldn't we, really? Because we are very much now past that. But it's Ibrahimovic. Right. You're not only getting a player, you're getting a global brand as well. Yeah. Um, and, and look, I mean, we saw what he did the last Premier League campaign with Manchester United. So he can still clearly play. Yeah. It's not like LA Galaxy are signing a washed up has been. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a player who is still very much uh, at the peak of his powers, and will offer them, should it get done, <laughs> yeah. he will offer them something that they don't have and offer them a very good outlet. A, a frontline at Ibrahimović and Ola Kamara, yeah. that, that's mouth Yeah. I mean, well done LA Galaxy if that right. deal gets done. And the, the most fascinating thing about that, Steve, and, and I don't know, I have no idea if this is true, but it was suggested by a couple of people that he won't be a designated player.
1: Hmm.
0: He will be a, a talent player. Oh. I'm very much a fan of, of young players coming to this league from South America or from Europe or wherever in the world. It doesn't matter. And, and I'm glad the league has, has moved away from mm-hmm. this, this, this sort of reputation that it used to have of being a, a place you would come to finish your career. Right. Ibrahimovic will come
1: and do that, but it's Ibrahimovic, sure. and he'll, he'll light this league up. He really will. Yeah, is it, if you're talking about what position guys are playing as they get older, it seems like a good striker... It's not the same as, like, as you age as a midfielder, uh, where maybe it's maybe a little bit easier to be an older striker if you have the skills still. Um, it, it depends what kind of a player you are. Ah, if, so. if,
0: if you're a centre-forward throughout the majority of your career that's, that's mainly relied on pace, then well, you yeah, right, <laughs> might okay. have to adapt your game, you know, when sure. you're 36. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, if you're, so for example, if, you, if you're Christian Ramirez, I think Ramirez could very well go and play until he's 35 yeah. and be quite effective right. because his game doesn't rely on pace. The same can be said for, for someone like Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Uh, in terms of the Premier League, I think there's an individual right now who will play for a long time, and that's Harry Kane, because Kane doesn't really rely on, on speed, who was a centre-forward uh, in England for, uh, for a number of different teams, uh, who played until I think he was 41, mm-hmm. a guy called Teddy Sheringham, who is the epitome of playing until you are of a certain age, because you don't... Need certain tools if it's up in your head, yeah. You don't necessarily need to run as much, and, and you don't need a, the amount of pace that may be required for other players. So, I'm not suggesting that slower players are much cleverer than, uh, than, right. than players with pace, but um, you know, there's something to be said if, if you don't necessarily need pace yeah. to be effective but again, and also it depends on, on the system that you're playing as well, sure. So sure. Um, that makes sense. It, it all comes down to the individual.
1: Yeah, it's just interesting as, as you know in any sport how players age and how they can change their skill sets or I was going to say, becomes what what's it, what's it like for a my a basketball
0: point of view like do do you do you become more effective with age or what's the how,
1: how well, does it work? I mean I think with basketball it's rare to see somebody play I mean 35 is a pretty high upper bound for your okay. absolute bests like Kevin Garnett and Kobe Bryant they they got to about 39 40 and Garnett was really interesting because when he came back to the Wolves, he was obviously passed way past his prime. It was his last couple of years of playing. But you could see that his understanding of footwork, um, where to put his feet in order to defend, that didn't go away. Like He wasn't as fast as other guys, so he couldn't show and recover as quickly, but he knew when to show and recover, and that meant that he didn't have to waste a lot of energy on it. I've always been fascinated by Vince Carter, who's still playing in the league. He's 40 now. Especially as a guy who, when he was young, it was all about his explosiveness and his dunks and everything like that. But, you know, within the first couple of years of his career, he started really working on his shooting. Um, he became a, a, a good three-point shooter after not being particularly noted for that early on, and then eventually became a sixth man for the Dallas Mavericks and converted a whole skill set. Like, he started using all that stuff, that, his knowledge of the game and everything like that. And he's made a career now out of being a role player. As he's aged, and I think it's because he understood what the limitations were of a game that was strictly based on on athleticism. He also suffered a knee injury that I think forced him to reevaluate what he could and couldn't do. But I mean, I'm sure the same thing happens in soccer, where it's like some guys. You see it from the youth, like you know, the you know, we have an academy here with Minnesota United, and obviously there's guys who are younger at the same age as their their peers, they're gonna be stronger or faster. If they don't learn how to do things other than be strong and fast, eventually they're gonna get to a level where other people are as strong and as fast as them. Mm -hmm. So you can imagine that it goes all the way up to the the pros. If there's somebody who's always faster but then suddenly they lose a step, if they don't have a complementary skill set to put in, then you know their career is gonna suffer. But if you can stay smart and know what what your strength is and know how to, you know, compensate for your weaknesses and, and make yourself better when you can, I think that's the key for you know a long career. So. Yeah, in all sports yeah, yeah. alright let's do some non-soccer we did a lot of soccer already so. I can't <laughs> guarantee there's always going to be this much soccer But um, the, we're wrapping up the off season you've done some travelling I follow you on Instagram hmm. and, and Twitter so, so where, where have you been around the world in your, in your off season the off season was great I just sat back and got fat
0: it was brilliant <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, so I, I uh, obviously the season ended, um, ended prematurely here so went back to the UK it was just good to, to go and spend some time back there and, and see family and friends, you know, and to do little things like see my grandmother, you know, just things, you know, when you live away, you don't see these people very often, sure. so it was nice to have a cup of tea with her and a good good chat. We had um, New Year in Cancun, which was, was awesome. yeah, it was, it was <laughs> interesting, it was nice, to sat back on the beach and just listen to the Premier League, it was wonderful. Didn't burn as well, which, which was a big accomplishment for myself, because I always You're come back looking fail. like a lobster, yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And then uh, back up to Kansas City, back here in Minneapolis for a little bit, then back over to the UK and, and more time with family and friends. And I, I did a little bit of work when I was over there, too, but it, it's, you know, I called a couple of Football League and Premier League games and whatnot, but it, oh, nice. it, it, it wasn't really um, an aim of mine, you know. I, if, if, if it was there, great, but sure. as I mentioned, you know, I don't get to see a lot of people who I grew up with and people from home anymore, so it was more about spending time with them. And, having a pint with my dad in a local pub and that kind yeah. of stuff you know so and then um the missus and i ended up having a couple of days uh, up in iceland which was yeah. a very interesting experience it did yeah. it's uh, quite the place
1: <laughs> it's, it's it looks beautiful um i've had some friends who've had some amazing experiences there there's a friend of mine who went to a, a festival like a music festival there okay um he said it was just incredible it was it was all these little venues yep. and, you know, it, a good, it went all night. I think it was in the summer, so, that you know, it was light, incredibly late, obviously, mm-hmm. so far north and so Yeah. And so, yeah, and he said it's just, the, the culture is just its own thing. It's just sort of there by itself. It, so. It's
0: unlike anywhere I've ever been, to be honest, Steve. I've been very fortunate in my life to, you know, do a lot of Europe um, and travel around a bit, um, whether it was for, for work or pleasure, and Iceland was borderline bizarre because, we were obviously there in the winter and the sun rises at 11am in the morning so myself and the missus are like, great, let's get up for sunrise, shall we? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then um, it sets at four o'clock in the afternoon so it's it's quite bizarre but it's very expensive there, I will yeah. say that, obviously because they have to import everything and whatnot. But yeah, fabulous, really enjoyed it, really, really nice and then I had another few days just back in England just saying goodbye to everybody and, uh, and then I'm back here. So it's... Um, it was busy. I'm, I'm still not quite sure what time zone I've been. Sure. Uh, I've only been back for six days now, I think it is. You know, I wake up at four in the morning and whatnot. So, yes. um, Well, you should
1: try having two children at some point. I was just about have, to say. It's, it's almost like having jet lag <laughs> 24 hours a day. You just never know what time it is. Absolutely. How was your off-season? What did you get uh, up to? It was good. Uh, I mean, I sort of, at the, toward the end of the season, I, was, I sort of had this naive thought of looking forward to the off-season because hmm. when, I, when I covered the NBA, since I wasn't working for a team, the off-season meant I just stopped working for yep. a while. That's fun events. when you freelance, isn't it? Yeah, yes. the freelance, you know, and so, like, you would pick up stuff here and there, but it was, it was a lot less pressure. Here, you know, the off-season was the time to set up plans for the next season, so mm-hmm. sort of went right into it, and uh, it's been crazy and, and fun, but I have gotten away a little bit. My wife and I went up to um, Grand Marais for our 10th anniversary uh, in the fall. It's up on the North Shore, so... Do you know where okay. Duluth is? Yes, it is. Okay, so if you keep going past Duluth for about another hour and a half, two hours, you get to Grand Marais. It's sort of like the last little town... Before you, keep – I mean, there's still a ways to go, but then you get up to Thunder Bay and you go over God, to Canada. So
0: give my Minnesota
1: ninety. Yeah, here, I'm you got go to go Grand Marais. <laughs> Grand Marais is amazing. It's okay. a fantastic little town. There's a lot of art. There's a lot of art galleries there. There's terrific hiking. There's good restaurants. It sort of has that. It's kind of, I mean, it's a tourist spot. A lot of people go there, but we were there sort of in the late season, sort of late October, and it, it was just. Beautiful, not too crowded. Stuff was sort of getting ready to shut down for the winter because it, it gets really cold and icy up there. And then pretty much didn't do anything else until I got to around the new year. And then went down to Florida. Was with my dad and his wife. And uh,
0: again, it sounds terrible. Yeah. yeah, it was. It
1: was. It was pretty good. It was pretty yeah. good. Although again, that was with the kids and. and when you have two kids, you don't really get to do things like just lay by the pool. Okay. Uh, you sort of have to be engaged with, with the kids, but mm-hmm. but the kids are a lot of fun. I have, I have almost six year old and a two year old now, so mm-hmm. I, um, I was, I was going to
0: say I, I don't have kids. Everybody I ask about kids, they first of all make it sound absolutely petrifying, yes, and then they make it sound like it's the best thing in the world. Uh, yeah. So where are you in the?
1: It's both. <laughs> <I'm-> <laughs> <laughs> it really is one of those things that is, it is a really difficult thing to do, but it's also so rewarding in a lot of really tiny ways that are sort of impossible to measure, but you just don't have them. It just gives you experiences you're never going to have. It's not better than not having kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, I fully, I'm fully fine with people who decide never to have children. Right. Um, but it just – things happen that – I mean, here's a good example. Okay, so I, I'm a musician, and uh, my, and we'll talk more about music. On another, another podcast but because um, I know you have some musical experience as well <laughs> but uh, my old, old band that I was in right after I was in in high school and college we haven't played together in a long time but we started doing reunion shows and we made a record this past summer of, of songs that we hadn't gotten to record while we were still together and it was kind of a vanity thing it was fun to do and fun to see the guys again but it became my oldest daughter's like favorite album you know and wow. it's what she wanted to listen to all the time and the other day we were driving to school and listening to it and it got to the end of a song, and we were almost at school, and she said, pause it here. I don't want to have to stop in the middle of the next song. <laughs> Which is someone who's a music appreciator and a lover of albums. Again, it's just this little moment that you're like, ah, this is, I'm raising them right. You know, right she has an appreciation for the form. She's not going <laughs> to cut it off in the middle of it. So, wow. uh, rock yeah, and roll dad. <laughs> life gets to be full of those things like that, and that's that's a lot of fun. So, I
0: must admit, I am looking forward to to being here. I'm not quite sure what kind of a dad I'll be, but... Yeah. I am looking forward to it. Well, you have
1: that authoritative voice, so you can leverage that. I, I, think. I
0: think if you if you meet the missus, she's very much the one with the authority. <laughs> <laughs> now, are your kids going to have a British accent, do you think? How does know, that work? I don't know. That's a very good question. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, secretly, I'm hoping so, because that'll be wonderful.
1: Yeah, um, or they'll just imitate you viciously.
0: Maybe they'll just think all oh, dads have a British accent and just, you know, be, be so thoroughly confused, confused when yeah. they go to school
1: or something. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. Thanks for joining us for our first Everything Soccer Podcast. We'll be back in a couple of weeks to talk about the team's preseason work in Orlando, kit reveal that's coming up on February 11th, taste test the latest tie pods, and we'll talk about whatever else comes up for Minnesota United between now and then. Be sure to follow the team on Twitter at MNUFC. You can follow Cal at CalWilliamsCom, that's C-O-M-M, and myself at Steve Entress. And remember, there's only one person in this whole world like you, and people can like you. Exactly as you are.